Welcome to an episode of Skinfessions, Confessions of an Esthetician. I am Amber Moon, your host, and I'm excited to have a good discussion today, and I'm glad that you're here. This is actually a topic that I've had many requests for over the years, and I spend a good amount of time at work discussing this particular ingredient with patients, so I'm glad you're here. I am hoping today to demystify retinols. I feel like people have a love-hate relationship with retinols. It's a little bit like black licorice. They either love it or they hate it. Um, And a lot of times it's based on their past experience or the fact that they're too intimidated (laughs) by all of the stories that they hear, the quote-unquote nightmare stories that they hear about retinols. And... There are plenty out there. There are also plenty of terrible photos out on Google. I don't recommend looking those guys up. But there are some huge benefits to retinols. And there's also some tricks and ways to titrate retinols in, ways to get retinols into your routine, and ways to pick your retinol that will help you with all sorts of ailments. So Let's touch on that. I also intend on talking about the types of retinols, the percentages, how they're formulated. We'll go high level on all of that stuff. And then I would love to touch a little bit about inflammation because that is something that is always a concern when adding certain ingredients, retinol being one of them. And I will have an antidote (laughs) that relates to inflammation and I will have a skin tip at the end. So thank you so much for joining. I hope you enjoy this episode on Retinols today. So what are retinols? Retinols typically refer to a blanket category of retinoids. Now my intention today is not to get very technical about retinols and terminology, My intention is really to make this topic more accessible to someone in any type of experience with skin. So if you're very experienced in taking care of your skin and you've been using a retinol for many years, my hope is that this provides some clarity around why it works. Also, for those people who maybe have been taking care of their skin for a while and have not yet incorporated a retinol, maybe this will help give some clarity around the topic and then also for people who have maybe never ventured into skincare this could be accessible to you as well for possibly jumping in and getting excited about one particular ingredient in the skincare realm so retinols are a form of an antioxidant you've probably heard them called vitamin a The way that they process in the skin is that they help to turn over the cells or slough the cells or help cells that are on the surface of the skin that are ready to come off, that aren't quite coming off on their own. Retinol helps that process move along. As we mature, that natural process of sloughing off the skin, the skin naturally turns over on its own about every month when we are young and then somewhere in our late teens and early 20s that process slows down. So you'll hear retinol is designed for 
anti-aging purposes. That's You'll hear that quite a bit for fine lines, for wrinkles, for pigmentation, uneven skin tone, those types of things. Retinol is great at helping to support against certain conditions of aging or premature aging, whether that be due to environmental factors or internal factors. It can help with those because it helps speed up our natural process of cell turnover. So because retinols are an antioxidant, they can be a great addition to a skincare routine. There are different forms, as I had mentioned earlier. Retinoic acid is something that tends to be more in the prescriptive form. Uh, Tretinoin is a synthetic version of a retinol, and that, again, is in prescriptive forms. And there are different strengths and percentages of each of those ingredients. And then also how they're formulated can also make an impact in how they affect the skin. And then one of the other forms of retinol is retinaldehyde. Sometimes it's abbreviated where it's called retinal, and there's an AL at the end. Similar to that ingredient is retinol with an OL at the end. And then another form, which is not technically a retinoid, but acts like a retinoid, is bacuchiol. Say that six times fast. That, that one's getting more hype in the market in recent years. And even though it's not technically in the antioxidant vitamin A retinoid family, it mimics the same type of cell turnover or similar cell turnover that you would get from a retinoid. And it tends to be marketed for those types of skin that don't respond well to retinols. So in all cases, all different types, there's some level of support for anti-aging skin as well as acneic skin because of the way the nature of acne and how the skin cells respond better to more turnover. Retinol can also really help to support and reduce inflammation with certain types of acne. I use it fairly regularly for my acne patients, although, and I will touch on this later, I would prefer to keep routines simple, uh, not just for acne patients, but for all of my patients. And so sometimes retinol doesn't always make it in if it's not necessary. And I'll talk a little bit about the other products that I tend to incorporate instead of that. But for retinols and their benefits, as I mentioned earlier, you get the pigmentation support. So uneven pigment, maybe you've been more in the sun, maybe you have what's called melasma, you have pigmentation that is caused by hormones and sun exposure, or as I mentioned earlier, acne can be supported with retinols. There's also benefits to fine lines and laxity because it increases the cell turnover and it helps to strengthen layers of the skin. But a lot of time what I see happen is patients go to incorporate a retinol, be that a prescription retinol or an over-the-counter retinol, and they find one of two things. 
they either feel like the retinol is not doing anything or they feel like their skin is flaking and burning and red and sun irritated. And you can have, if in extreme cases, some blistering. Retinols are potent and, as I mentioned earlier, different percentages and how they're formulated can cause some irritation in the skin. Now, one thing I would love to stress is that stronger is not always better. And this is true in a variety of different ways in our world. If you look at, say, say you go to the gym and you decide you're going to do deadlift day and you haven't deadlifted in six months, well, you're just going to start incorporating deadlifts in. You're not going to do a 500-pound deadlift. You're going to start low. Maybe you do a 75-pound or 100-pound deadlift, and you do that for a while. Adding a bunch of weight isn't necessarily the right solution to helping your body. And the same is true with the skin. So going in and using, quote-unquote, the strongest retinol isn't necessarily going to get you from point A to point B faster. It might actually cause more harm and more inflammation than it would do good. Or it's so irritating that now you won't be able to use it on a regular basis and you won't see the benefits. So what I do, and you'll hear most practitioners, will start low. Let's start at a lower percentage. Let's start at a, at a lower concentration. Or we can even, what, what's what I call buffer. So say you go to use a retinol and it's a pretty low dose already and you're still getting irritation. You can buffer it with your moisturizer. Mix a little bit in with your moisturizer initially. Now ideally, retinols like to play by themselves. So you can continue over time to use a retinol with a moisturizer, but I have found that people tend to see more robust results if they can incorporate their retinol solo. So back to the stronger is not necessarily better. Start low. In my particular case, I carry three different formulations of retinol. And for simplicity's sake, I will just go to say that one is a light version, we have a medium version, and then we have a pretty strong version. And I very rarely would start somebody at the medium version, and I very rarely even have anyone regularly on the strongest version. My goal, and what I typically do, is start low. So I will start patients at, my retinols call it retinol 0.3. I'll start them at the 0.3, and depending on their skin, they can incorporate it initially every other day, possibly maybe two or three times a week for a couple weeks. It takes a couple weeks for your skin to start building and become more acclimated to an ingredient. So if they were to take home even that, like I said, lighter formulation and use it seven days a week, they will probably end up feeling more inflammation and irritation, that kind of dry, itchy, red, hot skin which isn't going to get us from point A to point B any faster. And there's not really any rush. If we can incorporate a product into your skin slowly and the skin responds well, then over time, as you 
continue to build what's called titrating the product in as you continue to build that product into your skin it will respond well and for most patients i'm very easily can get them onto a seven night a week routine with their retinol and that may take a couple months for some patients it's shorter than others but there's there's really no rush in adding it especially if you haven't been using it for the last 20 30 40 years we we don't need to to uh, sprint to the finish line for this guy or for most products to be honest so what i look for is okay let's start you at the quote-unquote light version now we're at the light version and we slowly build you up and we're starting to see the benefits we're starting to see that you have more clarity in the skin. Maybe you see more refined pores. Your skin looks more even. It responds better. It feels good. Now, other ingredients that you're using are working better and they're all working synergistically. You're starting to see that type of positive impact. Now, I should say real quickly, and you'll always hear me talk about cleansers, you must prep the skin before you put a retinol on. Even the best retinol put on to unprepped skin isn't necessarily going to do its best job. So please, 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 please do a great cleanse. Two-minute cleanse is my, that's, that's my jam. It's, it's free. It's easy to use, um, easy to incorporate, uh, although it does feel like an eternity when you first start doing it. It really does make a difference in how the skin responds not just to the cleanser, but also to the products that you add afterwards. So your retinol will work better because you've now cleansed the skin and you've properly removed any extra sebum on the surface, any extra dirt and debris, and you've helped to reinforce the skin with hydration and suppleness and active ingredients. So do a good cleanse, go to use your retinol, and now you'll start to see more and more benefits. As that happens with patients, if I feel like we are now plateauing and patient A is looking for this next level, there's a number of different things we can do. I can make adjustments in treatment room. All right, it's time for lasers. It doesn't necessarily mean that increasing your retinol is appropriate or necessary. Maybe we just do a series of fractional laser resurfacing, or maybe we increase your frequency of facial treatments. Now, I am not a huge proponent of constant skin care. Now, if that's something that's a a healing process for you and you use it as as self-care, all the power to you. But for the most part, I keep my patients somewhere in that 8 to 12 week maintenance routine. There's a lot of things you can do, including retinol, outside of clinic that can help maintain your skin. And I don't necessarily see evidence that shows that people coming in every single month for years on end is beneficial to the skin. I appreciate it because I love seeing my patients that often, but sometimes I just send them a text or I will see them when they come to pick up product. And that for me is enough. I don't necessarily need people to be coming in here every month to get the benefits, especially because they're my, as, as I work with patients, we start 
usually pretty close together every four to six weeks initially. And once we get on that maintenance, as much as I would love to see you every four weeks, you don't need it so far that I can find. I find that you can maintain, as long as you're maintaining at home, you don't have to come in here all all that often. And retinols really help support that philosophy. So I should interject a little bit here and mention that I don't have every patient on retinols. And as much as I see the benefit and as much as I use a retinol myself, and I do have a handful of patients on retinols, I work in a, an environment in Colorado, in Denver, Colorado, where the average patient of mine isn't interested in adding 14 or 15 steps into the routine. They want to keep it simple. In some cases, I have patients who will do a cleanse and a serum, vitamin C antioxidant serum in the morning. They'll do their moisturizer and a sunblock and an eye cream. And that's my max for them. That's as much as they are comfortable doing. And if I were to add another serum, here's a discoloration serum, Here, here's one more step, here's two more steps, then all of a sudden that system can break down and now there's not anybody cleansing in the morning. And, and so there's a, there's a breaking point. What is the point that you feel comfortable saying, hey, this is now too much? And the same thing runs true with the evening routine. Most of the time, I'm just looking for people to cleanse and do a skeleton version of a routine twice a day. So for many patients, that's my goal, is just get you cleansing twice a day. If I start adding more into your routine, so say your night routine is simply cleanse and moisturize and and eye cream, those three things, if those three things aren't happening, I'm not going to add a retinol and incorporate another retinol when I then when we're not seeing just the basics get checked off and there's nothing wrong with that it's just that's where that particular patient is and I appreciate that I don't want a, an aggressive routine at home and this is what I do for a living so I'm definitely not going to force it on anybody um, at home and so I work with what the patient is most comfortable with and what won't break the system what's robust enough they they will get results but not but simple enough that they will continue the routine so even though I see tons of benefits with retinols like I said not every one of my patients is on a retinol I do see the value and it is something that if we check those boxes cleansing is happening twice a day cleansing is happening for two minutes twice a day the antioxidant vitamin C serum is happening in the morning and we have a good moisture base. We are not working on balancing the skin because certain steps are being left out. There's a good sunblock and eye cream. Those, if all of those things are checked off, then I start talking about let's bump up and go to the next step with retinol. And I know I sidetracked a little bit there because one of the things I was talking about was if you plateau, Say you're on your routine, it's as robust as you want it to be, and you plateau. Now you're not seeing as much of the result as as you would like. Or I want to get from point A to point B now, and I'm not quite there. 
as I mentioned earlier, we could do something like let's incorporate laser resurfacing. I use I use that example because that, that happens to be a treatment that's near and dear to me. I absolutely love it for myself and I have most of my patients go through and they I'm just seeing unbelievable results. So I'm very happy. I have an erbium YAG, fractionated erbium YAG. Very, very happy with the results from that. And that can help boost. So that doesn't necessarily mean, oh, I need a stronger retinol. Or, you know, if, if, the, if the other pathway is, I don't want to do laser treatment. I do want to do my treatments at home and have my treatment at home provide that extra step so that we break past this plateau. Then the retinol, the next level retinol would be an option, an, an awesome option. So let's loop back a little bit. Stronger is not always better. And I do feel like I hear that in certain areas of the market that, oh, well, retinoic acid, the prescription form, tretinoin, all of these high, big hitters um, with a variety of different brand names, you'll hear that, oh, well, they're better because they're prescription or they're better because they're stronger. And as I mentioned earlier, that's not always the case. So I tend to find that retinaldehyde and retinols work very well on the skin to support and give benefit without causing that extra irritation. And part of the reason for that, and I, as I mentioned, I'm not going to go too technical on this, but there's a conversion process in the skin. When you put a retinol on versus a retinaldehyde, the way it processes on the skin is a little bit different. And so what I look for in my patients is keeping inflammation down, so not having that red irritation and sun exposure response, which can happen with all forms of retinols in all different varieties, but I tend to see it more in the prescriptive forms. So I tend to lean more toward retinol, retinaldehyde, and bacuchiol. I have found give great benefit to the skin without that added irritation, and they tend to titrate well. So as I mentioned with adding a product or ingredient into your routine, these particular retinol, retinaldehyde, and bacuchiol tend to be easier to add in seven days a week. Some patients don't ever get to add in certain types of retinols seven days a week. And I find that those three, retinol, retinaldehyde, and bacuchiol, they tend to allow most skins and most lifestyles to build their retinols into a full routine. Now, I have heard arguments that you don't need your retinol seven days a week, and there are some retinols and um, potencies out there, and the way that they can be encapsulated can help with, you'll hear certain products say, oh, well, you'll get a 48-hour release out of this product. From my experience working with skin, I have found that using a retinol, just like using a vitamin C, really does much better if it's used regularly and daily and there are I have heard arguments that fat soluble versus water soluble ingredients can be stored in the skin 
better or worse and not going too much into the science of it my my findings are that retinols tend to do better when used daily just like a vitamin c would you can just like with any other ingredient you can skimp on it and maybe do every other night or maybe do every third night and still see some benefit but i find that it it decreases the efficacy and tends to get people from that point A to point B a little bit slower. So we've touched a little bit on what retinols do, what the different types are. Let's talk a little bit about who needs it. And for the most part, most patients who walk through my door and most skins will respond well to a retinol in some form and under supervision. Everything I've ever heard and read and experienced has told me that retinols don't play nice with pregnant women and part of that pregnant or breastfeeding part of that is that we don't tend to test on pregnant and breastfeeding women and so it's a much safer zone to just say don't use it and I would agree with that it's not worth the risk of any potential adverse effects for you or baby so more and more, and you can always consult your doctor about this, but what I've found is that if someone's pregnant, we can just pull off of retinols. The other thing, and I have not seen studies on this, is that there's a possibility because Bacuchiol is not a retinol in the traditional sense, because it is more of a mimicking retinol, that could be something that possibly they would study on pregnant women, but that's not something I know much about. Um, I just tend to say, hey, pregnancy only lasts 10 months. Breastfeeding could go on for years, but that short window, in my opinion, isn't worth adding. It's not worth the risk. So for pregnancy, we I tend to keep those out for mm, some patients with certain lifestyles. Maybe they have a lot of windblown skin they have a lot of sun exposure. Sometimes those tend to be the last types of ingredients that I would add on their routine. But for the most part, many, many, many patients can benefit from a retinol. And it's a matter of finding which one works. And as I mentioned earlier, keep it low, start it out at the beginning, start it slow, and build up. Now, ideally, once a day is fantastic. And it's great around the eyes. In most formulations I have worked with, retinols can be used around the eyes to help support that thin eye tissue. I have also heard from certain dermatologists as well that they will use the prescriptive form around the eyes. That's not something I'm recommending. I have just heard that out in the market. I don't know if that's the case. And when I work that into the routine, typically it's the same slow process of titrating, just like when we first started retinol. So when I first start somebody on a retinol and they're on every other day or you know three times a week or two times a week, I will have them just do face and neck or possibly decollete if that makes sense in their case. But face and neck, don't do around the eyes. Once we've built up 
the skin and now we're using your retinol regularly and we're interested in using it around the eyes now we're going to start with the same thing say you're using your retinol five to seven nights a week we want to incorporate it around the eyes but we're only going to do that once or twice a week and then we're slowly going to increase until the, the body acclimates well to it or just says nope i'm not going to do it i have i have not found that skin tends to be resistant to retinols when worked in slowly in the manner that I tend to work with. I find over and over that that tends to be a very tolerated experience. Slow, and sometimes slow can be translated into boring, but but it does tend to work. And my next and last little tidbit on retinols is inflammation. Part of the reason I'm not a huge fan of these quote-unquote stronger retinols or the retinols that cause severe irritation when you go out into this into the sun even the retinol that I have that's the the big robust guy I don't like to add that into the skin because the amount of inflammation in the skin tends to outweigh the benefits so far that I've seen so acute or temporary inflammation, something that's caused by a chemical peel or a, um, a laser treatment, those can be really beneficial to the skin, assuming that you pull the inflammation out as quickly as possible. And I have a number of techniques that I use to do that so that you get the inflammation, get the body's resources to check in, and then you pull that inflammation out so that the body will do the healing, but it's not also trying to combat all the excess inflammation. Now, that's a short-term inflammation. Long-term inflammation causes so many other issues, and I have an anecdote about that in a minute. But long-term inflammation is something that's caused by excessive scrubbing or too harsh of products or maybe the wrong products. Maybe it's not, maybe your best friend uses this product and it works great on him or her, but it doesn't work well on you but you keep powering through because because that's what your friend does and and you want it to work as well for you sometimes it's not that that product is bad it might just not be formulated for where your skin is at now and what conditions you have now so my the moral of my story for inflammation is i love it for acute reasons under strict guidelines and controls under supervision works awesome at helping to achieve certain results. Chronic inflammation can cause so many detrimental effects that, and in this anecdote, in this story that I'll share here, that can take so long to reverse just to get the benefit, the nice suppleness and response in proper response out of the skin that there's, I don't see any benefit to chronic inflammation. And this is true in the body in general. Um, so I will give you my little story. I had a patient, this was probably six or maybe even seven years ago, because I don't think I was yet pregnant. So it might have even been eight or nine years ago. I had a patient come in and she loved her treatment with me. And she was like, oh my gosh, I have to get my boyfriend in here. He has the most dry skin ever and everyone in Colorado 
thinks they have the driest skin ever. <laughs> and so I'm thinking, okay, no big deal, whatever, whatever. She got him in and he did come in a couple weeks later. He comes in and she was not kidding. He's dry. He's irritated. He's red. I go to touch his skin and it's almost scaly. And if he, if he were to scratch it, it would bleed profusely. He has a supremely compromised barrier in the skin. And so I'm doing consultation and I think, oh my gosh. All right, let's figure out why this is happening. Why, why is your skin like this? So we go over some things, you know, are you on any prescription medications? Are you out in the sun a lot? What are you using on your skin on a regular basis? And another quick side note for when I, when I talk to patients about dehydration, most of the time they say, well, I get plenty of water and I love that. That's great. Keep doing that. That it, It's so beneficial for your body. But that's not typically why your skin is dehydrated. Dehydration is a lack of water. Dry skin is a lack of oil. And that's an actual type of skin. Dehydrated skin is a lack of water in the skin. And that a lot of times is caused by a compromised barrier, something that has maybe been overscrubbed or over abused um, or maybe is out in the elements more than normal and is not protected. Uh, patients who don't use sunblock, you can. there's a lot of reasons why that can happen. And that tends to be what I see. And again, everybody, I very rarely have people come in and say, I have too much moisture in my skin or I have too much oil. That does happen, but it's rare. In Colorado, most people come in more concerned about dry, dehydrated skin. And a lot of times we can make adjustments to that because dehydration is a condition. So in this particular patient's case, I'm asking about dehydration and I'm asking about, you know, what he's using inside and outside his body. Okay, well, inside your body, you're drinking enough water. Great. What about outside? What are you using on your skin? Turns out this particular patient... And as much as I'm trying to get every patient to cleanse their skin twice a day, this guy was actually doing it, but he was using Clorox wipes. And he had been doing this for over a year. On his face, I don't think he was doing his neck, which is great. That's, that, was a, that was a benefit. This poor guy has such a compromised barrier. You can't use anything. You can't use any kind of cleanser you can't use nothing without it burning so now it's my job to reintroduce products into the skin and do some education and I have to also say how would he know there's I mean there's so much information out on the web you know how how would you know that that's not the right step for you and I'm sure everyone listening has also had an experience where they're like, ooh, I've used this for years and years and I didn't know any better because I just assumed that either the market was telling me, you know, I was being marketed this particular thing because it's designed for my skin or I read on the internet or my friend used this. There's so many reasons why people choose the products that they choose and I have no judgment because I have used all sorts of nonsense. When you have acne, you use all sorts of nonsense on your skin in hopes that this is the, the, 
the master cure, the cheap cure, the, you know, the toothpaste that I, I learned off of Cosmopolitan magazine, you know, that I don't recommend that on acne. It, it did not work for me. I, <laughs> I would not rec- recommend that, um, the, those ingredients on anybody's skin. You just smell a little bit uh, minty for the day <laughs> and it's hard to cover up. But um, so in this particular case, it took us six months just to start feeling his skin. So he did come in every four weeks for a while. And it was like night and day. I wish I was better about taking before and after pictures that long ago. But I, I never, I very rarely did. And this, this guy, what a difference. You know, you pull, you take away the Clorox wipes and now you have a resilient barrier. Something that can help create the right amount of sebum and retain the amount of moisture in the skin oh my gosh what a difference so anyway I I if I'm if my memory serves me I want to say it was only six months that it took to help reverse this um, this particular condition but my overall point is inflammation is a true real thing and even if it's not as dramatic as this man who was using Clorox wipes on his face twice a day there's still some level of it and most trained professionals can feel it and they can see it pretty quickly. Sometimes it doesn't present itself until later on. And I actually have had, this happens more so with acne. I have a lot of people who come in with acne and acne does not heal in a linear fashion. And they come in and they go to change the products and it doesn't make it better right away. And they give up and they say, this isn't working. And they move on to whatever the next thing is. And my biggest challenge with acne is relaying the message that when we make changes to a compromised skin, something that has been scrubbed or abused with benzoyl peroxide and drying ingredients or whatever toothpaste silly things that I found on Cosmopolitan, I used a, in a unbelievably aggressive glycolic acid cream for years, twice a day. And I didn't know why my skin was flushing. You know, someone would walk up, this was when I was in corporate America, someone would walk up to my desk and I wouldn't, wasn't embarrassed, but I just got a little bit startled. Maybe my heart rate changed just a little bit and I would full flush. And then I would flush because now I'm thinking, why does this person think I'm embarrassed when they just walked up to my desk and my whole face and neck are just beaming red? Like red hot's red. So anyway, the the point of that is that there there are a variety of different ways to help heal the skin from inflammation, but there might be a variety of levels of different intensities of inflammation already existing in the skin. And my my intention is not to add a retinol that increases that chronic inflammation. I'm looking for low levels of chronic inflammation as low as we can go and it's not you cannot erase it but you can help keep them low and I love retinol retinaldehyde and bacuchiol for that process I love those for keeping inflammation down for helping support the skin with anti-aging and acne benefits to really help support it's almost like and this is one more analogy I would like to give about retinols before I pop off and give you a skin tip. Retinols are similar to a retirement program. 
if you put $500 into your retirement today and then you check it again tomorrow, you're not necessarily going to see that anything has changed. Now, vitamin C is absolutely like winning the lottery. <laughs> you, you go to put $500 in for the lottery and then you've won it and now two days later your skin and your bank account look amazing. Vitamin C is definitely a big hitter and it really helps to show the benefit of the skin very quickly. For not, not everybody sees it in two or three days, but I have had people call me two days after getting a vitamin C and say, oh my gosh, this stuff is amazing. And it already is showing in my skin and I've already seen a lot of results. So retinols aren't like that. Retinol is you put $500 in today and six months from now, you just check to make sure that it's still there. And you're like, okay, you know, I... I'm looking at the before and after pictures. I am seeing some improvements. We're definitely not going backwards. A year from today, oh, wow. Look how even that is. Look how much more resilient that looks. How does it feel? How does it respond when you add different products? Is it less reactive? Now that you have to wear a mask every day because you change jobs, is that mask causing irritation? Or no, you're not seeing any kind of irritation. You've now built up the integrity of the skin and it is not an instant gratification, but it is absolutely something that you will see benefit from. So don't expect it to be the end-all be-all overnight cream. Retinols 100% can support the skin, but they're just on their own time. They're going to do it a little bit slower. So my last skin tip for today, when you are titrating a retinol in, especially if it's in the winter, and you... And I, I do have a lot of patients who will do this. I say, okay, do two to three times a week. Or I'll give them specific. Do twice a week. Do Tuesday and Saturday. Every week. Until I see you next. And then, and then I either get a text or they come in or a phone call. And they say, okay, so the first couple of weeks I tried it seven days a week because I just wanted it to, I just, I just wanted to add it really quickly. And then it was so hot and burny that I had to take it off. Yep. That's why I say two times a week at first. And so once we get back on that two times a week, we slowly start to increase that. Even when you're acclimated to a product that's more active in drier climates, like we have in Colorado, or hot climates or windy, depending on what your lifestyle is, you might find that you might have more continued irritation as you try to incorporate this in. And my easiest and cheapest technique is to either A, buffer it, which as I mentioned earlier is not my preferred method um, by mixing it in with a little bit of your moisturizer. I tend to find that that dilutes some of the efficacy and I don't see the same level of results with patients who do that consistently or you can change your cleanser and give yourself something a little bit richer and more supportive and more hydrating and that tends to help people get over that hump or get through the winter in Colorado it's pretty dry here humidity of 30 on a good day kind of thing now adding this in and I've been using a retinol seven days a week with the exceptions of right before I do treatments including around my eyes for 
a while, years. And even still, and I do use my my medium version of a retinol, even still in the wintertime, it can be a little bit rough. And so I could either A, go down to the 0.3, which would be just fine, but I still have some of my medium version, so I don't want to overbuy. And my preference is to use up what I currently have so that it doesn't expire. So I'll just use that and, and do a creamier cleanser. Ta-da! So that's my skin tip. I hope today helped provide a little bit more insight into how retinols work possibly give you an idea for which retinol would be good for you and the benefits of using them in general and if you as always if you have any questions I love to talk about this stuff and I would be super happy to discuss retinols with you or any other skincare ingredient also thank you so much for tuning in and listening I am glad to share this information about retinols and I'm just glad that you're here thank you Thank you.